biological men participating in women's sports, churches and libraries hosting drag queen story hours, major churches splitting over LGBTQ differences, Disney, Hollywood, and major media sources pushing LGBTQ agendas, and we now have folks asking, what is a woman? Most conservative sources use biology and just plain old common sense to challenge this ideology, but few go to the Bible. And we'll do just that on today's edition of The End Time Show. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of the End Time Show. What is a woman? You've heard that asked on the news many times over the last few months, right? People are asking the question, what is a woman? I could tell you what a woman was when I was just a child. The difference between a woman and a man. But think of it like this. Here's what's going on in our society today. Cambridge Dictionary says that a woman is an adult female human being, which is correct. But then they say, well, a female is belonging or relating to the sex that can give birth to young or produce eggs. That's correct. But then they say the, a woman this would be B under a woman in the Cambridge Dictionary, an adult who lives and identifies as female, though they may have been said to have a different sex at birth. It's trying to be inclusive to transgenders. Now, this is, these are in dictionaries today. They've changed. When I was growing up and I would come up through school, that's not how they defined a woman. But today, that's how the dictionaries define them. So there's so much talk about the LGBTQIA+, those that group of individuals in our society. I thought that I would talk about it because I've seen so many videos that people have sent me and things I've watched where... A conservative individual has tried to, had some people, been in an auditorium, had somebody come up to a, a uh, microphone and said, well, you know, what is a woman? Or well, you define transgender as this, and, and I'm transgender, why don't you like me? And all this other stuff. And the, ind the conservative individual, they do a good job, but they go through biology and, and they use common sense, which it's a very good argument, but, and it's, it's correct. However, very few of them go to the Bible, the, very, the, the, the basis for all of morality. And so that's what I want to do today because what we want to do is I want to know what God thinks. And I want you to know what God thinks. Because I don't want to drive God out of our society. More important than any science or biology, God is the most important. And, and we're, we will all, everybody listening to me, everybody on the face of the planet that has ever lived or ever will live, will meet some, God someday and give an account. 
Whether you believe in God or whether you don't, everyone will give an account. So we probably ought to know what does he think about this topic. And so that's what we're going to go through today. And we'll talk about America. What's really going on in America here? And the state of America compared to some of these cities in the Bible and nations in the Bible. So, Genesis 1, 27, you say, is this prophetic? Absolutely. But when we, if you go back to Genesis 1, 27, the, the Genesis, the book of beginnings. Genesis 1, 27, the Bible says, So God created man in His own image, and in the image of God He created him. So those pronouns, he, him. Male and female created he, them. So, how many genders are there? Right off the bat, Genesis chapter 1, there are two genders, male and female, a man and a woman. Did he define marriage? Absolutely. Going all the way back to Genesis chapter 2, Genesis 2 verse 18 through 24. The Bible says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help me for him. Verse 21 says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which what the Lord God had taken from the man, he made a woman and brought her unto the man and said, Adam, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken out of a man. Therefore shall a man, here's the marriage part, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. So the female God created in Genesis 1.27 is a woman. The Bible lays all this out perfectly. The female God created in Genesis 1.27 is the woman, and she is to marry the male that God created in Genesis 1.27. And this is the godly definition of a marriage. So, it really becomes pretty simple. And now some people may say, well, I don't believe the Bible. Well, that's another topic for another time. But I believe everybody listening to me today believes the Bible is the infallible Word of God and that it's the absolute truth. So that's what we're going to talk about on the program today. Now, when it comes to transgenders, you say, well, does the Bible mention anything about the transgender lifestyle? Yeah, it absolutely does. Deuteronomy 22.5. Remember that scripture, Deuteronomy 22.5. The Bible says, The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are an abomination unto the Lord. Did you know that scripture was in there? So, God created a male, He created a man, and God wanted him to act like a man. God created a woman, a female, and He wanted her to act like a woman. But, if you're trying to mix that all up and change God's uh, perfect uh, lifestyle that He wanted us to live, then you would try to change all that, right? And get men thinking they're women, women thinking they're men, men dressing like women, women dressing like men, and you're moving off of what God designed. And so 
These are the things we're going to talk about on the program. We're going to go down through many different topics here today. We're going to go to some news stories, all kinds of things, because I want you to understand that more, than, more important than biology and science, which is very important, I get it, but most importantly is what does God think in all of this? And that's what we're going to focus on today. And is there any, um, is there any way we can come out of this? Absolutely. Not, all hope is not lost. We always have a hope. And we're going to talk about that as well before we get done with the program today. So don't touch your dial because there's a lot to come after the break. And I'll, I'll get into the remedy of all of this. They that understand what is taking place will instruct many. Except a man is born again. He can enter or see the kingdom of God. I don't care what label you've been given or what label you've given yourself. You are essential. You still matter. This is a journey, and when we get to the other side of that, that's where our prize is. That's where our reward is. End time is not going anywhere. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to endtime.com future or call 800-END-TIME. That's 800-363-8463. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End of the Age television and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or visit endtime.com slash events for more information. everyone, I have people tell me occasionally that, well, the Bible is just a myth. It's a book of fairy tales. It doesn't, you know, that's thousands of years old. It doesn't apply to us today. That's absolutely not true. The Bible is just as relevant for us today and all the way through the end time as it was thousands of years ago when it was written. It's a living book. It's still alive today. And if you've got a problem or you've got an issue, if you can go to the Word of God, then it can change your life. And you would be shocked at what's in there when you start studying it. And you can be reading something, you may have read it 10 or 20 times, but then you might, God knows you're going through something, and you'll read a certain passage and you'll say, there's my answer right there. So, that's where we're going to go when we're talking about the LGBTQIA plus 
community, in our society today. A lot of them are even questioning, really. So, let's start with what does the Bible say about homosexuality? Now, some people would say, well, Dave, yeah, no, you shouldn't be talking about this. Well, this is the Bible. I'm just going to read you some scriptures, okay? This is the Old Testament. We're going to go back to Leviticus chapter 20, verse 13. If the Bible says, if a man also lies with a mankind as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination, and they shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. Now, I'm not saying that individuals should be put to death. That's absolutely not what I'm saying today. But I want you to understand that the Bible is talking about this as an unrighteous act, a sinful act, okay? Both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the New Testament, Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 28. Now listen at this because I want you to understand that individuals that Paul is writing to here in Rome, in, that, in the church there, the ones he was talking to, they were, he was talking about people who would drive God out of their mindset, drive God out of society, and because they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, then this is what happens. So listen at this. Bible says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now again, I'm in the New Testament now. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of God, uh, for the invisible things of Him, God, from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. At the end of time, there's going to be no excuse. Everybody, there's people that say, well, I don't believe in God. God, it's, take your next breath, that comes from God. Your next heartbeat comes from God. Uh, the, the earth we're standing on, God created that. The, uh, consider a newborn baby. That's a miracle. I mean, there's a million ways to prove there's a God. But some people say, oh, I don't, I don't believe in God. Well, he's, he's manifested himself to you in a million ways. But verse 21, I'm in Romans 1, 21, the Bible says, Because that, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. They didn't acknowledge God. Neither were they thankful for the things He had given them, but became vain in their own imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. You don't have God in your life, you're going to be darkened. That's how, that's how it is. God is the light. Verse 22, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God unto an, into an image made like, the, like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and remember, I told you about the definition of a woman and a man, and God established these things all the way back in Genesis. But there are people who would change the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them over to vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use of that which is against nature. 
likewise also to men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one towards another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. There it is again. The Apostle Paul's it, and it's just one right after another down here. They did not like to retain God in their knowledge. In other words, no mention of God. Let's talk about all these other different things, but let, we don't need to bring God in the, in the, to the equation here. I bring God into every, every situation. But because these individuals did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. And so, there you have it. Old Testament and New Testament. The Bible actually says in uh, 1 Corinthians 6, uh, 9 through, um, I don't know, 9 through about 11, that all these individuals, including homosexuals and things, will not inherit the kingdom of God. You say, Dave, you're, you're, you're bashing homosexuals today. That's not my intent. That's not what I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to get people to heaven. I'm trying to show people the correct way, according to Scripture, how to discuss these things. And you say, well, it's an uncomfortable conversation. Uh, it, yeah, it can be, but it doesn't have to be. And we, you say, why are you focusing on this? Because it's so prevalent in our society. It's in just about every television and, and show and movie. And uh, pe people are trying to pass laws to protect this and want you to, to call people they and them when it's a he or a she. And they want you to conform to their edicts. You understand what's going on? But it's anti-Bible. I simply cannot do that as a Christian individual. My job is to show them a way out of that mindset and how to be a Christian and how to live a Christian walk in order to make it to heaven. So, not, not bashing anybody here today. We're just trying to, to prepare people for the end time and what's coming in the near future, which is the second coming of Jesus Christ. I would fail you if we didn't talk about this periodically. Now, is today's societal condition prophetic? Absolutely. Luke chapter 17, verse 29 through 30. The Bible says, But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven, destroyed them all. And that's exactly how it's going to be when the day the Son of Man is revealed. In the days that Lot came up out of Sodom, that's how it's going to be when the Son of Man is revealed at the second coming. It's going to be um, horrible sins in society prevalent just as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. So, of all the stories in the Old Testament, why did God choose to have Luke use this event along with the flood and Noah to describe the societal conditions that would immediately precede the Lord's return? Well, in both of these instances, in the flood and in the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah and the events that led up to that, in both instances, God was forced to judge and then destroy human beings. And it was not the fact that they were just sinners, which will lead to destruction eventually, but it was in, this, in these cases, uh, God would have destroyed, if that was the case, God would have destroyed most of the cities in Lot's day, right? but he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. No, 
there was something about the way those two populations of people lived just before the flood and then at the time when God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah that forced God to wipe them out except for the righteous, Noah and his family and Lot and his family. Now, let me talk about increased societal sin brings God's judgment. You say, Dave, I don't even want to talk about this today. We have to talk about it. I don't want God to judge America. I love America. I mean, this is the, it's the greatest nation on the planet, along with Israel in my eyes. And, but we have, we have many instances in the Bible where God sent plagues upon mankind because of the wickedness of human beings. I mean, when God destroyed the world by a flood in the days of Noah, the scripture says, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. I'll say, consider America today. And the Bible says, and that every imagination of the thoughts of their heart was only evil continually. That's uh, Genesis 6 down around about 5. So as a result, God destroyed all human beings from the face of the earth except for eight people. And that was definitely a judgment from God. In the days of Abraham, there were two cities, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Genesis 13, 13 says, But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And because of this, God decided to destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. God sent His wrath. One of the prominent sins that grieved God so much was the sin of homosexuality. The sin of homosexuality bears the name of sodomy today and as a result of the wickedness of Sodom. God sent the prophet um, Jonah, remember, uh, Jonah and the whale, okay, Jonah and the big fish. God sent that prophet Jonah to preach to the great city of Nineveh because uh, the, of the wickedness of the city was so great. And Jonah was instructed to go warn the people of Nineveh that after 40 days, the city would be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh, they believed the warning from God. So all the people repented, they fasted, they prayed. And because they repented and turned away from their wicked ways, God granted forgiveness and did not destroy Nineveh. Now that's a lesson to us in America today. And... If my, people who are, if my people who are called by my name will, will uh, humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways. Well, that's a big caveat there. You've got to turn from your wicked ways. And that's one of the reasons we're talking about this today. We're trying to provide guidance, biblical guidance, to the situation that we're facing here. There's many of them. We're focused on one today. Now, these are just three examples uh, in the Bible of God sending judgment upon the earth because of sin. There, there are many more. So what kind of actions could possibly result in God sending judgment upon the human race in 2023? That's what we're, I mean, I'm more interested in 2023 than I am three, 4,000 years ago, right? Well, if you think about it, um, 
Revelation 21.8. The Bible gives a list of many things that will result in mankind receiving God's judgment in the future. Uh, the Bible says, But the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars. Now, I'm, I, I know I'm focused on the LGBTQIA plus community, but there's many other things. There's a plethora of sins that shall have part in the lake of fire, which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, you say, well, uh, if that's the case, we've all sinned and we're all going to die. Not if you've been born again. If you've been born again, you've had the blood of Jesus applied to your life, you've been born again into the bride of Christ, then your sins have been forgiven. And that's what Jesus came to do, to take you out from under the law of sin and death. The soul that sins, it's got to die. So, all of these sins I just mentioned, and everybody in the LGBTQIA plus community, you can be born again, turn from your wicked ways, live a Christian experience, and you can go to heaven to be with the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever. So the reason I'm focused on one topic today, the LGBTQ community, is that it is being pushed and pushed and pushed in our society. And the Bible says this, was, this would be how it would be immediately preceding the second coming of Jesus Christ, which is just ahead of us now. Now, think about Sodom and Gomorrah. The people of Sodom and Gomorrah disregarded God's definition of a moral lifestyle by yielding to every sexual perverted desire. The most prevalent one was uh, the sin of homosexuality. But it wasn't just that. If you look in Jude chapter 1 verse 7, uh, the Bible says, And don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns which were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. Anything that come to their mind, they were doing it. And it got so bad, God had to come and, you know, judge them. The Bible says those cities were destroyed. I'm back in the book of Jude now. The Bible says those cities were destroyed by fire and serving as a warning of the eternal fire of God's judgment. But the prominent sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was the sin of homosexuality. That's where the word sodomy comes from. In uh, Genesis 18, 19, you remember the story. God sent two angels down into the city to lead Abraham's nephew Lot and his family out of Sodom before it was destroyed. The men of the city being that who were aware of the two male um, guests were uh, visiting Lot. The men surrounded Lot's home and demanded that the, the men... Okay, I'm going to hold right here because I'm coming up to a break. But the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, you need to understand this because we face the same sin in our society today, along with many immoral sins and immoral acts, adultery and all kinds of other things. But this is one of the prevalent sins, so we'll talk about it more when we get back from the break. But I wanted to really break this down for you today because there is scriptural answers. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the Unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2. The late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding 
Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online with End Time Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you. So you remember that um, God sent two angels to get Lot's family out of Sodom before he destroyed it. Well, the men of the city, horrible mindset, obviously, they were aware that there were two male guests at visiting Lot. So they surrounded Lot's home and demanded that the, the men be made available to them for homosexual acts. Well, Lot offered his two virgin daughters, now this showed you Lot's mindset, he wasn't in a very good position himself, but Lot offered his two virgin daughters to the men. But they refused them because they were bound for their lustful desires for men. And this is how the sin of homosexuality became referred to as sodomy. Now, how do we know homosexuality is a sin? Well, God's moral book called the Bible, which we will all be judged by, whether you believe in the Bible or not, and that's a conversation we should have if you don't, but we'll all be judged by this book before it's all over with. And it, it declares homosexuality a sin. The Bible says in Leviticus 20.13, I read it before, if a man also lie with mankind as he lies with a woman, both of them will have committed an abomination, so they shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. That's Leviticus 20, 13 again. So what was Luke's prophecy in Luke 17, 29 through 30? What, what, what was that really referring to? Well, just prior to the second coming of Jesus, there will be an increase of every anti-God, anti-Bible, immoral sexual act in society. He said, it's just going to be like Sodom and Gomorrah. And I thought, you know, when we talk about um, America, okay, the most developed nation on the planet, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, and I mean, we, America lives like kings and queens compared to the rest of the world, I promise you, the most of the rest of the world. And so you would think, hey, we're a developed nation, you know, uh, very, uh, it's supposed to be very intelligent. But wow, this, this is rampant in our society, right? So, but it's been, now been legalized. 
So I want to talk about that because that was kind of a, something that really broke the dam here and everything just kind of went crazy once it was legalized. Now, I used to think that, hey, no, no way. I mean, there, there, there will never be a time because I, I read Luke's prophecy. It's going to be like Sodom and Gomorrah just before the second coming of Jesus Christ. And I used to think, no, there's no way. It's never going to happen like that in America. It's going to get as bad as Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, you know, maybe in some far off country, but not here in America. Wow, boy, have I been wrong. I mean, we've seen this country do an about face when it comes to a, a Bible-centric lifestyle, right? Think about this. From back from the early 60s until now, America has taken a nosedive straight down morally. Now, I, there's no way. I don't have time to go into all of the events that got us here. But I want you to consider one point of interest. Before the Obama presidency, there, there, there was a big dam that was kind of holding all this back. But there were cracks in the dam. Things were starting to happen. Uh, with, but there was this big dam that really held back this full onslaught of sexually perverse, non-biblical lifestyles in America. It was not legalized. So... There was a lot of problems that went along with that for the people in that community. But during President Obama's tenure, the entire dam was removed and bulldozed away. Okay? No more dam. Now it's just like everywhere. Prior to 1960, it was against the law to commit the act of sodomy in all 50 states. Over time, many things contributed to the dissolving of those laws. However, the crowning achievement was the complete legalization of the act of sodomy under the Obama administration. Barack Obama was inaugurated to his first term, oh man, um, in what, January 20, 2009. That same year, at the annual conference of the uh, LGBT uh, community, it was cleverly called the Human Rights Campaign, President Obama was the featured speaker and his remarks were shocking. I mean, just when I don't think I can get shocked again, something happens. Well, he said this. He said, you will see a time in which we, as a nation, United States of America, finally recognize relationships between two men and two women as just as real and admirable as relationships between a man and a woman. Now, President of the United States, okay? Well, on May 9th, that's when he was... Uh, the year he was inaugurated, uh, 2009. On May 9, 2012, President Obama openly endorsed gay marriage, and he said this, I'm quoting, I've just concluded that for me personally, it's important for me to go ahead and affirm that I think same-sex couples should be able to get married. Well, finally, under the Obama administration, same-sex or sodomy, same-sex marriage, was legalized in every state on... Uh, June, about uh, June 16th of 2015. And th folks, this was a direct violation of God's word. You understand? Again, God defined marriage as between one man and one woman all the way back in the book of Genesis. But remember Romans chapter 1, because they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. God gave them over to do all these things. You remember, God also, also told Moses sodomy was a sin in the Old Testament. Leviticus 18.22, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It's an abomination. It's, it's many times. 
Then the Apostle Paul addressed the sin of homosexuality in the New Testament, in, in Romans and uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So does anybody think that God was not watching when the, the U United States Supreme Court, under the Obama administration, approved same-sex marriages? Well, I can assure you that He was. God takes note of everything. A lot of people think, well, God may not be watching this when I do this underhanded deal or when this, this thing happens, this politician, he thinks he's getting away with something. Listen, nobody gets away with anything. A lot of people have put God so far out of their mind that they think, well, I can just do this and nobody will find out. Listen, every deal that has been done by any politician in the history of the world, God has seen everything they've done. And everybody will give an account someday. You think, well, these guys in Washington, D.C., boy, they're really getting by with stuff. Listen, they may get by with it for a short period of time, but there will come a time when everybody will give an account. And that's the whole thing, accountability. Where are we at as accountability to God as a society? And so think about this. The very actions and the vile atmosphere which caused God to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah have now been legalized and celebrated in the United States of America and some have fooled themselves into believing that God is not going to judge these actions. That He may, he may not today or tomorrow. But he will, folks. You can bank on that. He has no choice. So, is America modern-day Sodom? It's a great question, right? Well, the legalization of same-sex marriage has emboldened the LGBTQIA plus community. I think there's many more. I don't know what they are offhand. But it's emboldened them to force their lifestyles on the whole of society. I'm, the, the, some people would say they're transgender, so they want you to call you want you want you to call them they, them, rather than. Or if it's a transgender, they want you to call uh, if it's a, a guy believes he's a woman, they want you to call him a her or a she. One example would be the this the um, the anti discrimination laws to keep Christians from exercising their religious freedoms by not participating in their debauchery. debauchery. And, and, but that's not all. Uh, churches are ordaining members of the LGBT community to occupy their pulpits while condoning their sinful lifestyles. Homosexuals are celebrated in parades across the nation during Pride Month. Um, schools are being forced to teach the role of and contributions of the LGBTQ people in the history of the country. Transgender men are winning championships, participating in women's sports. There's an LGBTQ uh, person in just about every sitcom and movie coming out of Hollywood. <coughs> Excuse me. And now it's legal in some states for a man who identifies as a woman to use the ladies' restrooms and their locker rooms. And I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. Now, I know that sounds as if I'm sensationalizing, but I, I don't have to. This is reality. And this is our America. I should say, this is 
some people's America. It's almost unbelievable until you read the headlines, right? I mean, some of these headlines, listen at this. E-bombs world, the headline states. Now these are from just today and just over the last few days. E-bombs world, they say, this is the headline. An emotional swimmer, Riley Gaines, shares a traumatic experience with a biological male in the locker room. Riley Gaines was a lady that had to swim with Leah Thomas, and Leah Thomas was the guy that changed over to be a woman and swam with all these collegiate swimmers and was dominating them. He went into the ladies' locker room, folks. I'm talking about collegiate-level swimmers and, got, and was nude in front of them. I'll just be blunt with you in front of these girls. And the girls had no recourse. Their coaches wouldn't stop him. This is America. This ain't some third world country where horrible things are happening. Western Journal, this is another headline. Public schools are bringing in drag queens to teach kindergartners about gender ideology. Mashable says that GLAD finds the LGBTQ representation on TV at an all-time high. American Spectator, listen at this. The radical reshaping of the K-12 public education is gender redefinition definition and self-selection. Fox News, USA Today gives the Woman of the Year honor to a transgender state lawmaker. A, a, a man who believes he's a woman, the USA Today liberal news source gave the guy a Woman of the Year award. American Spectator, uh, the um, title says, this, the headline says, Methodist Church is splitting over LGBTQ issues. Now, there, and you know, currently there's other denominations that are struggling with condoning these lifestyles and ordaining uh, ministers and people to be in their pulpits that are openly living these lifestyles, folks. Now, the, the, I could bring in hundreds of articles. This is just a tip of the iceberg. However, I think you get the point. There, there's a very recognizable increase in, in the LGBTQIA plus activity in America. And they may only be a small percentage of the population, but they're not ashamed to push their agenda. And, you know, it, is this the future of America? I mean, will, will Christians be intimidated into silence by allowing America to become another Sodom, forcing God to judge us? I mean, if we continue to present the, the present course, uh, he's going to have no choice. But fortunately, it doesn't have to end like that. Not if America will get back to what it made itself great in the first place. We're going to talk about it on the other side of the break. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, 
please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. So now you might be sitting there going, oh my goodness, I mean, Dave, <clears throat> all hope is lost. We've lost America. Not true. Can America regain, regain her greatness? Absolutely. More than 100 years ago, Alex de Tocqueville, you might know this story. He was a famous French uh, political philosopher. He authored the now famous Democracy in America. He visited our nation to uncover the secret of our greatness. He traveled from town to town. He was talking with people, asking questions, examining every facet of our society. When he returned back to France, he wrote these words, and I'm going to quote. He said, I sought for America's greatness. I found it not in her fields and in her forest, although they're beautiful. I found it not in her mines and in her factories. I found it not in her Congress or in her great tribunals. It was only when I entered into her churches and heard her pulpits thundering against sin and preaching righteousness that I discovered the secret of her greatness. And then he said, America is great because America is good. If America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. De Tocqueville's conclusion agrees with the Bible. If you go to Proverbs uh, 14, 34, the Bible says, Righteousness exalted the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. You say, well, man, uh, we're in 2023, though. Is there any hope? Well, that, that's, that, that's, there absolutely is. I mean, so let me ask you a question. Will America follow the path of the Roman Empire? You know, are you just going to give up? Will it decay and finally collapse from within? Or can America pull back from the brink of total moral collapse, rediscovering those principles that originally made America the greatest nation on the planet? There is a precedent in history for a nation to recover after teetering on the brink of spiritual bankruptcy. Uh, when revolution was sweeping through Europe back in the 18th century, the late 18th century, the same societal conditions that gave birth to the French Revolution were coursing through Great Britain. Morally, the country was becoming increasingly decadent, right? So drunkenness was rampant, gambling was so extensive that one historian described England as a, just one big vast casino. Bishop Berkeley, he wrote that morality and religion in Britain had collapsed to a degree that was never known in any Christian country. But it was in this atmosphere that George Whitfield and John Wesley began to preach in the streets of England. Their red-hot preaching ignited the dry, thirsty hearts of the people. And the ensuing revival cut across denominational lines, and touched every class of society. England itself was transformed by the revival. Uh, in uh, 1928, Archbishop uh, Davidson wrote that Wesley practically changed the outlook and even the character of the English nation. They were just preaching red-hot revival. Some historians have maintained that the revival so altered the course of English history that it probably saved England from a major revolution. 
Now, you might be asking, could this happen in America? Well, if spiritual revival could come to England at the time of its worst moral, moral um, depravity, surely it could happen to the United States. All is not lost. We can win this battle. Remember, we don't war against flesh and blood. We're warring against spiritual uh, wickedness and high places, powers, principalities. Our battle is on our knees. On your knees, one man said, you're taller than trees. You have a lot of power when you're on your knees in prayer. So all is not lost. We can win the battle against this flood tide of moral decay. And we have to. We don't have a choice. By now, it's obvious that the, the needed spiritual leadership is not going to come from our political leaders. I don't care who they are. So where can we look for leadership? Let me ask you a question, everybody. Are there any true men and women of God left? Are there in America, anywhere? I can tell you that there are. I know thousands of them. Are they all just trying to produce the biggest congregations, though? And not wanting to touch any of these subjects. Are there any left that are not for sale who will preach the whole Bible even if it costs them their lives? Is there, are, are there any out there? I mean, if there are, it's time for them to stand up now. Tomorrow's going to be too late. If not now, when? When do we start? Do we wait till it's completely lost? Now, preachers. I know there are a lot of preachers and pastors and evangelists and missionaries that listen to us. I know that societal pressures and even pressures from in your church sometimes would make you say, oh, I can't touch these topics. Everybody will leave. The ones that love the truth are begging for this. Teach me the truth, Pastor, because I want to make it to heaven. If I'm veering off the straight and narrow, preach me right back into the straight and narrow. I don't care what you got to tell me because I want to be saved. I want to be a godly individual. I want to acknowledge God in everything I do. <clears throat> so, Preachers, pastors, evangelists, men and women, you are America's only hope. Go to a prayer room. Pray your hearts hot. Preach with conviction and compassion. Don't give a speech when you get in the pulpit. Go to the, go to the prayer room. Get a message from God and give that message to your congregations. If you get there the next week and there's 10 left, give it to them because... We're bound by God to be men of God and to preach the Word of God. The people that love the truth are screaming for the truth to be preached to them. They're so delusioned by this rampant religious, I'm going to say it, prostitution. Bought and paid for ministers. Now, I know some don't want to hear. I, I get it. But the ones that, the ones that do want to hear, the ones that... The ones who love the truth, they're starving for true men and women of God who will set the trumpet to their lips. Teach me a Bible study. Preach to me the truth without fear or favor. Preach to me every verse in the Bible. And when the final story of America is written, is it going to be recorded as the destruction of a people who did not like to retain God in their knowledge? Not Dave Robbins. If God will help me, and God will be merciful. Will it speak of a people that apologize for acknowledging God and making Him the center of our nation? Or 
will our history tell about the spiritual awakening that swept the one nation under God? Is it going to tell of a nation that refused to remove in God we trust from our money? Or will it speak of a nation that is willing to speak the truth in love? And, you know, sodomy was wrong in the Old Testament. It's wrong in the New Testament too. And it's going to be wrong in the 21st century and all the way to the second coming of Jesus Christ. So what's the answer? Our only answer is a genuine spiritual revival. I'm not looking for the answer from the Supreme Court, from any politician. We need a spiritual revival in America. People have to get the Spirit of God in them to where they will have power to resist these things. When America embraces the Bible as the Word of God, once again, then we'll recognize our extreme need of Jesus Christ in all of our lives, and He will help us turn this country around. We said, what can we do? Well, if you look back over the history of this great nation, it's easy to see what's needed. America must have a spiritual revival, and this can be achieved in just a few, few simple steps. Number one, America has got to go back to church. Only approximately 20% attend church weekly. And we need to become a prayerful nation at home, in our schools, in our courthouses, in our government institutions. Imagine that. Imagine if they prayed, if, imagine if President Obama ha, or uh, President Biden had a word of prayer with his staff before he gave a speech. Think about that. Preachers need to preach the Bible without compromise. We've got preachers nowadays that are scared to preach some verses in the Bible. Come on, you are failing your congregations when you do that. If you see sin creeping into your church, don't be ashamed or intimidated. You're the shepherd of that flock. Preach against it. Congress needs to reinstate the Bible as the standard on which we base our laws and, and stop relying on Hollywood to set our moral compass. We've got to revise our textbooks to adhere to biblical teachings at like, in, like creation and not evolution. And we should vote the best we can to, 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 um, to get a, 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 as close to a Christian in there that'll, you know, a, one that's anti-abortion, not one that's pro-abortion. I mean, and there's many other topics along with that. I get it. But it's very important that we understand there is hope for every single person. You say, but Dave, I'm in the LGBTQ lifestyle. What should I do? Well, the Apostle Paul talks about you. Now, everybody, not just in, that's living in that lifestyle or in that community, but any other sinner. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9-11, through 11, he said, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covetous, drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. So, no sinners, period, will inherit the kingdom of God. But he says to this, this is, it, he, this is in the Corinth church. He's talking to people in the church. He says, but you were washed. You were sanctified. 
you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. So the Corinth church had people who had all of these things in their past. Homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, adulterers, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners. They had done those in their past. But he said, you guys have been born again. You're in the church now. You're in the body of Christ. And you've been washed. You've been made clean by the blood of the Lamb. You've been born again. Now you don't live that lifestyle. You're not bound by that anymore. You've been given a complete new clean slate. And now we're set on a new path, the straight and narrow that's going to lead us right into heaven. So there is a hope for every single person out there. I don't care what lifestyle you're living right now. There's a hope for you. I don't care what sin you did this morning. There's hope for you. God loves every single person listening to me. You say, Dave, you don't know what I've done. I hear that all the time. I don't care what you've done. God loves you. God wants to save you. Be born again. Go to endtime.com slash reborn. It's got the, everything there. Read all about it. If you need help, email endtime. drobbins at endtime.com. dnorvell at endtime.com. We'll find you a church in your area that can help you with that. And that's the goal to all of this. That's the goal of my program is that hope is absolutely not lost. There is a way out of this. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face, and here it is, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. That's the message today. It's a message of hope. Yes, it does look chaotic out there, but it doesn't have to. There's a message of hope for every single person listening. End Time Ministries is here to help you any way that we can to make sure that you are on the straight and narrow path as well. God bless you.